The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Hello and welcome to the MTM Podcast. I'm Sean Coomer, your host, joined as always by Mark Osterman. Joe Chung has the week off, but he'll be back here next week. Richard Kerr is joining us this week. He is from Built Rewards, a longtime member of the Miles and Points community, used to write for the Points Guy, Award Travel 101, and he is going to talk about Built Rewards, paying your rent with a credit card, but more specifically, behind the scenes of a loyalty program, how it all works. Plus, we'll talk RVing. He recently took a 40-plus day road trip with his family in the RV. We'll talk how it is to RV at Disney as well. And then we'll go into the Capital One Venture X card, the brand new premium card from Capital One. Does it make sense? What are the potential challenges and things to consider before applying? We'll talk about all of that coming up right now. But if you like the show, don't forget to subscribe. Just hit subscribe in whatever podcast app you're in right now or search Miles to Memories in your favorite podcast app. And as a reminder, you can find links, everything related to this podcast at mtmpodcast.com. And if you do want to apply for the Venture X card with our links, we have a full article on the website with everything you need to know. All right, this is a really good episode. I know you're going to enjoy it. Let's get into the show. Richard, thanks for joining us. Pleasure is all mine, gents. And like I tell you, Sean, all the time, I really do listen to this podcast every single week. So, Mark, I'm expecting an invite up to the cabin. Sean, I need a Vegas tour. Joe, I want to go on the next uh, main road trip. Like, I want to do all the stuff, guys. Stop, stop better, me out. Better like to eat eggs if you're going somewhere with Joe. <laughs> <laughs> now, speaking of Joe, he is going to be here next week with Leslie, his co-host from Disney Deciphered. And we're going to talk all about these crazy Disney World changes because... I can't keep my mind wrapped around everything that's changed just in the last few months. So they're the experts. They're going to help us uh, kind of unwrap that next week. So I'm excited about that. Um, uh, I fly down to Disney tomorrow, actually. So um, I'll, I'll get a taste of the ridiculousness that is <laughs> whatever's going on. I want to talk later in the show about, because I know you did some camping experiences at Disney, and we're going to talk about RV road trips and family trips, my favorite topic. So I, I'm excited to to talk about that. But Congratulations on your Braves winning the World Series. That's I know that's exciting for you. Yeah, um, twenty six years in the making. And uh, sorry, Mark, we made it five seconds in without mentioning Disney. I know you're excited about that. <laughs> I was just hearing uh, uh, Sean talking about you know people coming out. I was like, man, I think I get next week off. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, you can have next week off. It's okay. We don't we don't need you uh, just trashing Disney the whole episode. <laughs> don't need, and you don't need my wet blanket over the Disney fund. <laughs> no. Yeah. Yes, it's a great year in Georgia. Um, something I've done every single year since I was over 21 is go to a sports book and put um, 10 or 20 bucks on the Braves winning the World Series, even if I know it's going to be a trash year. So it's awesome to finally see that payout this year. I do the same thing on University of Georgia, where I was having the, I say we, I didn't go to school there, but 
Um, tremendous season there, number one right now, and it looks to be the Bulldogs to uh, to throw away because it's just you don't even know who to rank number two right now. So um, Atlanta United just made the playoffs yesterday. Um, it's a great time to be a Georgia sports fan right now. I will say I got to throw some shade uh, your way. I, you I'll know, take of it. the ba- of of the baseball stadiums I've been to, I think Atlanta is either my second least favorite or least favorite stadium, which I'm kind of surprised to say, but that that's kind of where it's at. The sterile shopping mall uh, was that <laughs> was that your experience? Because I'll tell you, that was thrown around a lot during the Dodgers series. But uh, being there for the World Series game and then um, watching what we call it's called the battery outside, it was absolutely bonkers. Like it was nuts. I think um, Atlantans took that uh, insult to heart and that shade and just made sure everybody every time they showed it was anything but the uh, the sterile shopping mall. <laughs> I'll, I'll agree with you that there's no like spectacular like uh, hill in center field. Houston, glad that's gone. There's no, you know, um, signifying signature, you know, like the Rays have the, at least have a Ray tank out in center field. There's nothing like that. It is, it is pretty corporate feeling. I like the kids area out in right field and play games. It's been great for my kids. They like to do that. So all in all, that a bad spot. They just had a couple new hotels there that you can walk to and not just the Omni. So uh, it's a good time to go up there, but I hear what you're saying. It can't be worse than the Rays stadium, right? I mean, uh, you say the Rays have the Rays, but that no, place is the worst. There's no home rules for hitting the ceiling. No, there's nothing like that. Like, no, I, I haven't been to, you know, we, we push off the Rays because we were waiting, you know, they always say new stadium, new stadium. So it's like, what's the point of going there? But no, I, I really actually like the Battery Park area. You know, it, it is like an outdoor mall type of thing. It's got a lot of restaurants. It's a cool place to walk around, even if there's not a game going on. I just, it felt like the stadium was built to fit that site versus them picking a site that's great for a stadium. Like, oh, every, everything <laughs> was like true. Yeah. crammed in and you're paying to park in like uh, um, office buildings, parking structures because there's no parking and like the whole outfield you can't see when you the the kids area is cool but you can't see the actual game when you're walking around out there because there's walls up and everything so just you know plus put a roof on the thing man it's hot in georgia (laughs) it is hot which is why my season tickets are in the shaded part for next year but no it's quite the controversy if you look at when they relocated um from turner field which was in atlanta all the way up to uh what we call uh, cobb county and why that commissioner has been voted out of office and yeah it could go on and on there i'll say it's not the most well executed project but uh still the hometown pride and we're still gonna hang a flag up there on uh, open day so i'll take it well i didn't realize how far out the stadium is compared to it is because i i did go to turner (laughs) field which which is kind of cool because it was the olympic stadium Mm -hmm. and and all that what is it with atlanta i know we're going to get into the show talk miles and points but what is it that atlanta gets new stadiums every 20 you know something years like you know the- it was really the shock when they said we're gonna you know build a new stadium and that led to an entire thing that involved everything from uh race and politics and gentrification of atlanta um you know admittedly when i was little the area around turner field was a pretty rough section of atlanta but just in the last 10 years that entire area's been gentrified which again has its own problems about now you know we're we're not creating affordable housing for the people of atlanta and they said, you know what, we're going to throw it up here where all the rich suburbia is um, in this very narrow corner between two of the most major interstates in the United States <laughs> to Mars Point. Um, and it's quite the deal. And everybody's like, well, who's and making we're not going to have any parking. No yeah, parking. Like, where did this come from? <laughs> who's making this happen? Like, um, So I, it was a shame. I, I really loved Turner Field and where it was. And, and obviously the history of it being the Olympic Stadium thought it was great. Um, so it is a wild thing that's still talked about um, every election cycle, but uh, it's it's way up there. It's not close. <laughs> yeah, I mean, at least the football stadium. You got the new football stadium downtown Atlanta. I went to the last game at the Georgia Dome. The Packers getting slaughtered by the Falcons a few years ago in the <laughs> NFC Championship game. So I have good memories of that building, and 
yeah, I love I love Atlanta. But let's talk. And for people who don't know you, Richard, I, I've met you. I don't know many years ago. You know, you started I think as the points jock. That was your blog that you started <laughs> oh, way back in the day. Yeah, that's way right. Back in the day, and then uh, Ward. Well, then Travel Hacking One Hundred and One, which is the Facebook group. And I think I was you know a member pretty early on when it was just a few thousand people. And then that changed into Award Travel 101, and now you've written through the Points Guy. But your newest, uh, your newest venture is Built Rewards, and I want to talk about it because I, just to disclose, I did get to spend some time on Mosquito Island with you, at, hosted by Built Rewards, to learn about the program and uh, to learn what it's all about. And I was excited with a lot of what I learned and just getting some one-on-one time with you, so I'm excited to share that with the audience. But talk a little bit, you know, just about your background in miles and points and what led you to your current position with Built? Yeah, long story short is points and miles found me out of a necessity um, in my first career in the Navy. Couldn't afford to fly home, couldn't afford to fly in-laws or parents out. Had my son in Japan, which was not planned when my parents were back in Atlanta. <laughs> kind of expensive to come meet the grandkid. So uh, I dropped a few thousand dollars on a few economy class tickets and thought there's got to be a better way and luckily found um, points and miles, you know, back 2010, 11 when I got into it. And for whatever reason, it just clicked with me. I, I loved it. Um, I've always been a guy that thought when society presents something to you as this is the way it's always done, there's probably a better way to do it. Um, and I like to investigate that. And it's just kind of in my personality. So it clicked. Yeah, started the blog, went through um, Facebook Community World, which was awesome, uh, through Award Wallet and Alexi over there. It runs Award Wallet, partnering with me and giving the opportunity for me and my family to leave the Navy. Um, and then ultimately went over to the Points Guy, who I've been writing for for years. And really was just looking for a change, man. Like I'm sure as you and Mark know, like the constant need to have new content every single day will burn you out. <laughs> like you have to. And I was never one to manage the workload. Like I always wanted to get something else up. I always wanted to do something else. It led to burnout. And you know, after the years of doing that for a long time, I've always wanted to be quote unquote on the other side. So I was looking for something different. Um, after a couple of years of the points guy, met the this gentleman named Anker Jane, who is the founder of Built Rewards. And if you look up uh, his history, has done quite a few amazing things at his age of 31. And he said, come uh, take a Zoom call with me and um, told me about Built Rewards and pretty much 15 minutes into the conversation after he told me his vision, how far he'd already come, um, I, you know, for, for as far as we're concerned, the transfer partners and the people that believed in this, uh, I was sold. So I flew up to New York City, had dinner with them because I had a lot of questions before I, you know, put the livelihood of my family in the startup world. Um, that dinner went great, went on. He actually called me the next morning as I was driving back from the Atlanta airport and said, hey, man, I want you to come and work for me and be a part of this. You know, I played it cool. And I was like, yeah, it's me. Let's talk to my wife. You know, let me uh, I'll, I'll get back to you tomorrow. And in my head, I'm like, of course. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and he knew that. too. <laughs> so I was like, let me think about this. You know, there's probably another awesome loyalty program just around the corner waiting to pick me up. But <laughs> so came right on board and uh, met my boss, a gentleman named Dave Canty. Uh, the Irishman who came over to the U.S. in 94, he's had 26 years of building loyalty programs. He was on the original team that um, built SPG. He then went and built uh, JetBlue TrueBlue. He decided to try his hand in merchandise and built AutoZone Rewards and then ran, ran uh, ISG Rewards Club um, for four years before uh, starting his own consultancy, at which point he ran into Anker as well. And Anker said, come build a loyalty program for me. So the opportunity to go work for Anker, the opportunity to go work for Dave, um, at the time I came on board earlier this spring to see the foundation of what was built for uh, pun intended built rewards. It's just, it was a no brainer for me. So that's, that's how I ended up uh, where I am now. All right. So let's, we'll talk about built in a second, but I have one more aside here. Cause you talk about the Navy, right? 
Uh, are you able to, to just mention what your last job was in the Navy before you left? Like what you uh, Sure. Uh, yeah. It's bought, a cool job. I don't know. <laughs> I bought Starburst for the President of the United States was one of my jobs. Yeah, I was, I was a logistics officer for Marine One, uh, the President's helicopter um, up in D.C., which, yeah, you're right. It was an absolute cool job. I got to do some ridiculous things. I have some awesome pictures. Um, but, uh, I was in charge of making sure that helicopter and that squadron had everything it needed from parts to fuel, logistics of moving around the world, um, and then including uh, the snacks on board. So President Obama likes plain Pringles, and uh, President Trump, I was there for the transition, uh, eats tropical starbursts like they're going out of style. So a little inside information for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I always get a kick out of out of that, out of yeah. hearing that, uh, that part of, of your job. Uh, yeah, that's and- a cool job. <laughs> Yeah. All right. So, so built, you know, is for, for people who don't know, built rewards offers people the ability to, you know, pay their rent and earn rewards on doing that. And that's something kind of new to the rental space, right? I mean, what were sort of the options before built came along for paying your rent with a credit card? Yeah. So, um, I think all of us have lived through a variety of different startups that uh, tried to enter the space. The kicker, of course, is they all charged a fee, which was their only path to monetization. So uh, the rad pads of the world, the rent cafes, uh, plastic you could still use to pay rent in certain areas. There are some landlords that did take credit card directly in their office. But of course, the fees that you know ranged anywhere from if you got super lucky, you had a really kind, cool landlord that only charged one and a half percent. But the much more common variety was anywhere from two to four or five percent um, in order to pay with a credit card. Or you go through these third party services that pay on your behalf, you know, and you've got to charge, um, you got to pay that fee. And that fee always negated the rewards that you would earn. Um, the one case is people who needed to hit a huge spend threshold. They would go ahead and suck that fee up to reach a sign up bonus or, uh, you know, whatever next free night certificate was waiting. But that still kind of defeated the purpose because you weren't really you know, you're, you're cutting in your profit margin there. So that was the, the landscape before uh, Built came along. So Built has two different kind of aspects of it. You have the Built MasterCard, which we'll talk about in a second, but the rewards program is sort of separate from the MasterCard. So if people don't get the credit card, they're able to earn limited rewards by paying a rent with in-network sort of landlords that are part of the Built Alliance. How does that work as far yeah. as, you know, the difference between if you get the credit card and if you don't? Yeah, Built Rewards is a standalone loyalty program. Think of it like an aeroplane where we uh, operate without a credit card. And the way we've done that is gone and partnered with the largest landlords in the country. And we have 2 million units, uh, 2 million apartments inside the Built Rewards Alliance. Uh, If you live in one of these buildings, you know it because you've received a targeted email from us. Our signs are going up all over the buildings. If you get in the elevator, there's our QR code there to scan. And you can pay your rent with your checking account through the Built Rewards app. We pay your landlord electronically. We're directly integrated and you get a flat 250 points per month. The beauty of that is we actually have landlord issued points. So the landlords traditionally have not had a unified marketing ability to retain or attract um, current or new residents without straight cash out of their pocket in larger cities paying brokers massive fees to, to bring people into their building. So we say, hey, Spend 400 bucks in built points with us to give to people as retention offers, as referral bonuses versus giving a broker an entire month's rent. And all the landlords went, you know what? That kind of makes a lot of sense. Um, so we love this idea. And that's across, um, if you're familiar with the huge real estate, I mean, the Relateds, the Camdens, um, the GDIs, like the, the, the Starwoods, the Blackstones, the people that own these massive buildings around the United States have all bought into it and to the fact that they, they're investors with us now. 
Um, so you do all that without the MasterCard. You just need to live within network. If you're curious about whether you live within a Built Rewards Alliance, you can go to builtrewards.com to sign up, enter your address, and we'll tell you um, whether you live in that building. And we're launching thirty to 50,000 new apartments a month right now. You can do all of that without the Built MasterCard. You can earn points from your landlord or a flat 250 points per month. We also have some uh, hidden Easter eggs in the program. I'll tell you anything that you see from us or you receive from us in the mail. Check it very closely. There's something fun in there almost every single time. And then uh, the other way to pay rent uh, for anybody in the United States is if you apply for the Built Rewards MasterCard, pay your rent with the card through our app. You will always pay your rent in our app. You can never go and swipe your card at your landlord's office. We actually block that to make sure you don't get charged a fee. And we'll mail your landlord a check. Um, we have a service provider out in California that makes these checks for us. It actually says from MasterCard. You fill out the memo so you have your name, your account number, whatever you want on it. You give your landlord a heads up. Hey, a check's going to arrive from MasterCard from Built that says my name um, and my unit number. And so far, we've had a few hiccups because we have to rely on the USPS to deliver those checks for us. So we're not batting 100 there, um, but we are batting pretty <laughs> We're yeah. batting pretty close to 100. Um, and if I'll tell you what, the other thing that we've we've gone into the mindset of is there's so many fintechs that have terrible customer service. We've all probably dealt with them or some banks, <laughs> Mark. And then, um, you know, we didn't want to go down that route because <laughs> yeah. anybody frustration. So You're trying to get me in trouble. Trying to get me in trouble. <laughs> if, if you run into problems with this, we're going to make it right. And that's probably in the form of points. So if the check shows up late and you paid on time, we're going to cover your late fee. We're going to give you some points. If the check gets lost, we're going to figure out what happens. You actually can see an image of the check and check tracking now on the app. We just recently um, updated those capabilities in the last week. So you can always see where your check is and exactly what it looks like. Give your landlord a heads up. This is the check that's coming. Try and make it as painless as possible. And that, of course, is, again, no fee. And the, and the MasterCard is no fee. So there's no catch, man. You can literally pay your rent almost anywhere in the United States uh, and earn points for no fee. So the, the built MasterCard has this 0123 sort of setup. No annual fee, as you said. One times points on rent, uh, with up to 50,000 points per year. Two times on travel. Three times on dining. And you guys recently revamped this. This is an improved version, which I was impressed with because you did it very quickly. It was, you know, it didn't take you very long to go from a program which wasn't nearly as rewarding to this. Uh, so a lot of credit there. One question I've gotten from a lot of people is if the whole focus of the program is paying rent, why are you only paying one X? Why is that not a bonus category? Um, can you explain that to, to everybody? Yeah, the focus of the program is to make this um, eventually relevant to everybody in the country. So right now, renters are our main focus, and we want to tackle the rental market and give you something where you previously got nothing. But I'll tell you, in the coming months, I want it to be so much that you and Mark have to say, I have to have this card and this program in my wallet. <laughs> yes. So um, that's a, a big tease of what we have coming in the first quarter of 2022. But, uh, you know, we looked at it, and um, isn't one X points better than no points previously that, that you've gotten. And then if we want you to keep this card in your wallet uh, every single day, we've got to give you more points on things that you spend every day, whereas you just spend rent once a month. So we felt it's pretty generous to give people points where they got nothing. Um, quite frankly, it's a loss leader force. And then to reward you further for the purchases that you make every single day. And between a combination of two and three X points on dining and travel and one X on rent, again, all for no annual fee, we want to make it a no-brainer to have this card in your wallet. Uh, it's not a sock drawer card. It's not a card that uh, you use for um, you know the one-off random thing, but it's something you got to have every day. So that's kind of our, our mindset that we did there uh, behind the quick change. The other kind of unique aspect you have is that you do need to use your card five times each statement period in order to earn points. Is that just another kind of 
uh, feature in order to get people to use the card and yeah. uh, to make it both profitable for you guys, but also rewarding for them. Yeah. And look, five times a month to use a card is like, it, you, you got to really be trying hard not to use a card five times a month. That gives you three X on dining, two X on travel and your rent it counts as one of those. So you still only have four more. Right. And it's not like this is a 1% cashback card. These are arguably the most valuable points in existence, even tied for the most valuable, according to Gary Leff's article yesterday with um, American and Hyatt as one-to-one transfer partners. So why would you not use this card five times a month um, would be the question for you. And, you know, you're right. That's there. That's there as a, if you want to get points on rent, if you want to get the most valuable points in existence on rent, you got to be a participant in the program. And a very fair, bare minimum participant in the program is using that card five times a month. Um, and I'm willing to have anybody who thinks that's, you know, different, you know, always take us on and, and challenge us on our assumptions. One other interesting thing I noticed is that, you know, you guys are trying to make built rewards, you know, it's more of a lifestyle rewards program, some unique redemption options. Uh, obviously, you have redemption options like some of the other programs, but you have like unique art that you've that you've kind of curated and other things for people's homes. So they have different ways to redeem the, the points, even if not at the best value. But I think, you know, you brought up the, the big reason why I'm excited about it is because of the transfer partners. I mean, it's rare that a, a rewards program launches and is able to to really have kind of the breadth of, of transfer partners. You have some of the, the top ones and including unique ones like Hyatt uh, and American Airlines, like you mentioned. Um, how difficult has it been to build this program? And is there anything you can talk about uh, about the future as, as it comes to transfer partners? Yeah, sure. Um... You know, I'll tell you the reason that everybody's excited when we come to the table and the fact that we've only been out there since June and the number of people that approach us now is we bring the next generation of loyalty to these programs. If you look at airline and hotel loyalty programs and even loyalty programs outside the travel space, they have a generational problem where people in the younger generation go to an OTA, they want the cheapest flight, they don't care who it's on, and they just want to make it convenient and cheap, and then they go and they book it. Um, the average age of some of these programs is quite high. You would be surprised um, when you see the ages of it. So when we say we're bringing in the next generation of renters, the people out of school, the young professionals, um, and then that they have to qualify for a credit card, which means they have you know established credit, probably some disposable income. They're the exact kind of customer that they want to bring in the door. And with the scope that we're going for here, you know, 2 million people or 2 million units inside the Alliance right now, and um, we're still behind the wait list for people out of network. The, the amount of interest that we've gotten is just insane. And then we're talking about, you know, there's 90 million renters in the United States. That's a very large customer base to go out of. And if we can funnel those into these loyalty programs, they're, they, they're very excited about coming to the table with us and making it happen. So um, while the economics of these deals sometimes do get a little bit uh, intense, and that's the fun part of learning how a loyalty program works, I can say everybody's excited to be at the table because of who we represent. So challenging, yes, but impossible, uh, obviously no. Um, but the good news is everybody's excited to be there. There's there's literally great relationships between each team. Everybody's excited. Everybody's excited about, um, you know, the success and the coverage we've gotten since launch. And then looking in the future, uh, I'll just tell you, you know, if you look at the app now and the programs um, that we're partnered with and, and kind of the makeup of the program now, um, when you look back in Q1 of 2022, you're going to see some differences and some things that we are very excited about. Uh, <laughs> so um, unfortunately, no spoilers I can release now. But um, again, like I said a few minutes ago, the goal is for people who are not even renters to finally 
um, we're going to wear you now. We're going to beat you into submission until you finally go, all right, Dad, I've got to have this this card or this program in my portfolio. <laughs> all right. Now, you did mention the wait list. People can skip the wait list. Uh, listeners or readers of Miles to Memories, we have a code MTM4BUILT, the number four, MTM, the number four built. And I do recommend if people are even on the like the fence and they just want to download the app, sign up for without the, the MasterCard and just kind of peruse the app, I feel like you can get a lot more information about the program, the redemption options. Plus, anybody in the Miles and Point space who misses Richard Kerr's articles, I, I, there's some beautiful articles that you've written inside the, the Built Rewards app. So I just want to give you credit there. Yeah, thanks. Still back to the roots of uh, writing content, <laughs> uh, making sure people yeah. know how to use these points. Well, that's what's cool is you are trying on the reward side to show people how to get the value out of the program. That's something a little bit different, I think, than than some other programs. And I and I like that. I like that I'm opening up a program or I'm opening up the app and seeing, you know, here's how to use these points for this airline and, and stuff like that. And so I do recommend people, you know, use our code, bypass the waitlist, check it out, even if you're not sure about the MasterCard or how this all works for you. I know several people in the community that have the card and are happy with it. Um, I don't rent, so I haven't gotten it yet. Richard, uh, like you said, he's he's working to make go. it better so that uh, <laughs> so that uh, Mark will uh, go sign up. Mark, you have any questions about built rewards? I know in uh, previous conversations we've talked about like you being on the other side and and seeing what you pay for loyalty points and and it was a lot more than you had assumed uh, when you were like a travel hacker, like what the banks have to buy a high at point four and stuff like that. So I thought that was interesting. I know you can't go into specifics, but do you want to just kind of uh, give us an overview of yeah. I'll of give that. you a peek. I'll give you a peek behind the curtain that won't get me in trouble. Um, all all these programs do a great job of protecting the value of their currency. If you think that uh, you can uh, approach somebody like a Hyatt and say we're the next biggest thing in the world, we're going to be awesome, we're going to be great. Give us your give us a Hyatt point for you know point two cents per point. You're, you're going to get laughed at. <laughs> like there's no there's there's no um, world in which that exists. The largest thing I've learned out of these conversations in looking at it is. Um, loyalty program accounting is incredibly complex. You have so many different sides of income in now, deferred liability, how you can defer that liability, how you account for points outstanding, when you can recognize the cost of a point. Uh, the, the modeling that goes into, uh, we sent set for hours in our in our office in New York before we launched, looking at these models we had created with the assumption of X number of people are going to redeem for travel, X number of people are redeemed for a down payment on a house, which we haven't even mentioned, by the way, you can redeem bill points for future down payment on a house at up to 1.5 cents per point. Um, X number of people are going to re- redeem their points for rent. Like you go into this with a lot of assumptions and you make a conservative model based on these are our costs. We know these costs of buying these miles. We know our customer acquisition costs. And now we got to put our finger up in the air a little bit and go, man, we hope this many people redeem for <laughs> something besides American miles because that's going to be really expensive, but that's what everybody <laughs> does. And it's just a lot of fun. I mean, and that's that's kind of, you know, daily life. We, we run daily reports. We got uh, some amazing data folks on the team now where we look at uh, what we're managing the program to and um, how can we take what we see in the numbers and deliver that into value for the customers, right? Because I have a million ideas and my boss looks at me every time. He's like, that's great. That's ridiculously expensive. We're not doing that. And I'm like, come on, man. I'm like, let's let's make it fun. Let's spice <laughs> it up here. He's like, if you want a paycheck, no. And I'm like, okay, fine. Um, so that, that's that been the really cool part of being on the other side. All right. Well, I mean, thanks so much for sharing about Built Rewards. And we look forward to, I think, to some of the things that you're not able to talk about yet, um, especially considering how quickly you pivoted this year to this new product. Can't wait to see 
some of the cool things that you guys uh yeah, that that, have the, the quick pivot was all based on feedback from people like you, from people um, writing articles and saying, this is cool, but one X on everything, that's just not going to get it done. Um, and, you know, our founder turned around to us and to me and my boss, Dave, and said, this is what I'm reading. And I said, this is I'm reading the same thing. Um, a lot of people said, oh, they're not getting any customers. I'll tell you, customer acquisition has never been our problem because getting something where you got nothing has been great, but that's not where we want to stop. So we went back to the drawing board really quick um, and said, let's make something that's going to stick for quite a while. That's going to make everybody raise their eyebrows again in, in a manner that can still be a business for us. And we we tried to turn that around real quick and got it out. So that's all based on people's feedback. So please reach out anytime. This is awesome. This is terrible. I can't believe you did this. This sucks. I've heard it all. I want to hear it all. Um, and, uh, and just reach out anytime, social email, whatever, and we'll, we'll take it on board. All right. So let's, let's pivot and talk about RV road tripping. Cause like early <laughs> yeah. on in the, in the pandemic, uh, you and Ed pizza from miles to go podcast, uh, which I know you guest on there all the time as well. Uh, mm-hmm. we love, we love Ed, but he bought an RV and then you, what you bought a, is it a big travel trailer Yeah. or, and you've proceeded now i think that you guys have gone two different directions with this right because ed is trying to sell his rv because it's such a pain in the butt and you're still yeah. going going strong with the the travel trailer or he's trying to sell you his rv i think is the, yeah. was the, the conversation yeah i've never seen anybody do an activity they hate so much over and over like ed goes camping <laughs> <laughs> and it wasn't that he bought the rv he got to get a truck for it like it's a whole ecosystem that you got to kind of buy into with yeah. with this had had that been something you were exposed to before or was covid like that was your first shot at it no covid was the first shot at it you know i grew up camping i was in the scouts and i like being outdoors and doing all that um but covid was the first time that us as a family uh had been you know stuck inside for that long my kids were born in the navy we hopped all over the place we we're always going and doing something and then my kids have been on a gajillion flights you know by the time they're three that we just kind of said, this isn't healthy for us as a family to <laughs> continue to sit here inside these walls of the house. Let's get out and go. So Ed said he was kind of thinking about it, and it really just turned into me and Ed uh, egging each other on, <laughs> and like driving each other down paths we should have never been down just to see how far we could uh, peer pressure each other to go. But it ended up being the best thing that I've done um, in quite a while because my kids love it. Uh, you, you learn a ton. Like if you don't know how to tow or like uh, safely towing, let me say that because so many people are just atrocious towers in the United States, you know, hooking up all these systems. And you basically have a rolling house that has HVAC. It's got electric. It's got a gas system. It's got plumbing. And you got to figure this stuff out when you're at some campsite somewhere and something breaks and it will break. Um, it's just been a challenge to me. Again, I saw a new skill sets learned and um, been a ton of fun. So I've loved it. I've had some ridiculous stories. Um, we've had broken bones. We've had leaks. We've had things break. Um, we've had. Oh, you're mile- selling it now. You're selling it now. <laughs> 70 mile an hour windstorms, you know, and uh, Ed hates every second of it. But uh, we've had some great trips together with good stories. And my kids love it. We, we did a six week trip, September and half of October. Um, from Georgia all the way up to uh, Maryland and Delaware and then back down the coast uh, to Charleston and back home. And after six weeks, I looked at my kids who were four and six at the time, um, you know, and I said, are you guys ready to go home now? And they're like, home, that's boring. Let's go somewhere else. And I'm like, yeah. (laughs) I was like, but I'm paying for this house, so we need to go home. (laughs) (laughs) Mark, does the RV lifestyle sound appealing to you? No, no, not not at all. (laughs) 
Yeah, I've never uh, camping. Uh, you know, we did it as a kid, and I was just, I was just never really into it. I'd rather I don't know why. Just uh, maybe it was because I went with my grandparents that were very like, here you have you can have one drink at you know at, <laughs> for the day and stuff. <laughs> and it was like they traumatized me for life or or whatever. I don't know. I like creature comforts. Um, I do see like the nice thing is like you can take it on the road. You go to unique areas. You go to cool campgrounds. Go to cool sites, and you still have all your stuff coming with you. Versus like, you know, going to a hotel and you're you're dragging stuff around yeah. and going back and forth. Like you have, you you kind of build it out to suit you. So I see the pluses to it. I just yeah, not for me. I'm no, I'm, I'm, I'm team Ed. <laughs> it's the uh, the campgrounds these days are like some of them have rivaled the best family resorts I've been to. This last one we went to in Myrtle Beach, uh, South Carolina. It was. It had the best amenities. Like it, any family Marriott Hyatt resort we've been to, full water park, like with a massive playground with buckets and five slides and two pools and yoga studios and like it's just absolutely amazing the stuff that they put into the bowling alley at the last place. I mean, it's just private beach club at the last place we went to with his own pool and hot tub by the beach that's completely beachfront. You know, completely blown away. So like. That is somewhere I think anybody could have fun. But then you go to, you know, the KOA that's been there since 1943 in the middle of West Virginia. And you look around at some of your fellow Americans and you think, you know, maybe we're going to cut our day short or our stay short today here. You <laughs> you left. You did leave West Virginia, didn't yeah, you? We, did. at one point. <laughs> we were we were at this campsite in the middle of as it's not in the middle of nowhere, West Virginia, but in the. It was a good 30 minutes to civilization. We checked in on Labor Day when obviously everybody had checked out and we were the only uh, RV up on the side of this mountain in West Virginia. And the campground was on this dead end road on the side of the mountain. Nothing at the past the campground besides like a drop off. And about 10 p.m. every 30 minutes, a different car would drive down this dead end road past our RV. And about five minutes later, they would drive back. And then about 30 minutes later, a different car would come down. Somebody would come back. And I'm thinking, you know, there's only a few reasons that a different car is coming up here, staying for five minutes and leaving. And I just didn't want to be a uh, collateral damage to a deal gone wrong out the end of this this road. So, you know, that happened the first night. I actually went down to the the desk the next day and said, hey, just is is this something I should be, you know, what's going on here? And she's like, yeah, we've been having a problem up here for a while. And I'm like, okay, we're out. <laughs> like, let's go ahead and check on out of here and let the meth dealers, you know, do what uh, they're going to do on the side of this mountain in West Virginia. But um, the new, we went to the new national park up there in West Virginia, um, West Virginia, um, New River Gorge, and that was a really impressive uh, place to check out and see. Um, and West Virginia was my 47th state, trying to knock out all 50. So glad we went up there and checked out the the national park. But uh, man, West Virginia has some salt to the earth people. I had no doubt that if we had a flat tire or anything while we were on the side of the road up there, we would have had 10 people stop and help the young family out. But then, um, like the locals told us, at the few places we stopped and ate at, this awesome brew pub we went to outside the National Park, they said that literally the the opioid epidemic has just hammered them so hard and they can't get their their hands around it. And you saw it. Um, so yeah, I get a great reason to travel. Again, you see that stuff going on in your own backyard. Um, but, you know, uh, kind of a, a one and done for me there in West Virginia. Sounds like back in the day when my parents used to plan all our trips based off those, remember those bro- uh, brochure racks that were in like all the, uh, <laughs> and all the gas stations and stuff and all the pictures look amazing. And we did one, 
I think it was South Dakota where we had to drive up a one lane road, like in a circle where you couldn't see anything. And you're just honking the whole way, hoping another car <laughs> doesn't come. And you get up there and there's supposed to be like horses and all this stuff. And it's like decrepit buildings. The picture is probably from the sixties. And uh, yeah, we had to stay one night and, and sleep in our clothes and then leave the next day. So <laughs> yeah, that's, that's kind of, of the flashbacks I got. Yep. Well, that's how you used to plan a trip back in the day, right? Just stop yep. and you would see all those brochures at whatever random restaurant or, or rest stop and do it. But Richard, how did you plan this trip? I mean, what was it over 40 days on the road? Yeah. Were you like ahead of it? Did you have the whole kind of itinerary no, plan? Or were I, you just, I am not a planner, um, <laughs> which doesn't make a lot of sense. <laughs> Things I've done for the last 10 years, very much the last minute guys, because my schedule always seems to be changing, especially in startup world. I don't know when I need to be in New York. I don't know where I need to be. So we took off um, before Labor Day weekend, just me and the kids, actually, um, my wife stayed home to, to do some things with her parents. And we knew that we were going to be gone for a while but not really sure how long, where we were going to go. So I booked it camp by campground uh, by campground. Had an awesome stay um, in North Carolina in the mountains at this amazing, uh, you guys heard of Jellystone Parks? This was the thing my dad yeah. took me nope. to. Yeah, the Yogi Bear, Yogi Bear Jellystone Parks. They're, they're campgrounds themed after the Yogi Bear cartoon. And there's actually 75 of these in the U.S. now. The campgrounds had the greatest year by like 400% in revenue in 2020 and 2021. And to their credit, they've turned around and put a lot of it back into the campgrounds and built new amenities and stuff. Again, you go to these places with these state-of-the-art water parks for the kids and activities. So that was this place, Golden Valley, North Carolina. And after that, I really didn't have anything planned. I look about, you know, you know about five, six hours as much as the four and six-year-old could do in the car without getting antsy again you're pulling rvs you're only going 60 65 miles an hour so the drives take a little bit longer and just pick the next place five hours away every single time book it up find something that looks pretty cool hit some places we always want to go um went to pizzarello's house when i had to do a, a business trip to new york the family stayed in his driveway <laughs> in the rv uh, hung out with there and then we just looked at what was next um and again the cool thing like you guys know throw something up on Instagram. Hey, pulling in here. And there's somebody that knows somebody that know, like leads you to go check this out someplace I would have never seen or thought about going. Um, and it was like that the whole way. So we campground by campground, check it out. We didn't even know when we were going to get home until the day before. Um, so that's, that's how it went for us. All right. I wanted to talk about Disney a little bit, cause I know you did Fort wilderness as part of this uh, last year and, and camping there. And Obviously, you have a lot of experience with Disney and staying at some of their different resorts, covering it for the Point Sky and elsewhere. So you know Disney fairly well, Walt Disney World fairly well. How was the camping experience at Fort Wilderness compared to your other experiences staying at resorts on property? Yeah. The very first RV trip it was actually meeting Ed and his family in his RV at Fort Wilderness and then Summer Hole from the Point Sky. She had rented this like uh, all-star NASCAR celebrity um rv bus that was like heated floors and like the whole true summer style but the three of us had campgrounds in a row at fort wilderness and that was the very first time that we'd gone camping and it was an absolute blast um the campground is you know, it's just like anything else disney it's probably the nicest campground that you're ever going to go to except for these new five-star ones that just popped up i talked about um everything is themed the the pool and the water slide area is great they got uh, a whole host of activities you can do Kids and I went kayaking and canoeing around the lake that goes through the campsite. So, like, you go by and, like, Ed and Summer have their feet up by the fire. I mean, the kids are paddling by. They got a, a ranch there that you can ride, do pony and horse rides with the kids. It's only, like, eight bucks. It's, like, the best thing you're ever going to spend money on at Disney have fun. And then easy transportation, you take the boat over to um, the Magic Kingdom. 
And then you can see the electric light parade um, on the lake at night. Awesome barbecue restaurant over there. It's really fun. I, we did it twice. We did it very first trip, um, October of 20 with Ed and Summer. And then we went down again this summer. Um, and uh, Julian Kill uh, stayed in the RV with me. And we just did like a adults Disney trip, drinking around Epcot kind of deal and stayed back at the campground. And it's awesome. Uh, it's awesome time to hang out with the boys. Um, it's more affordable than the other Disney resorts. Um, it's by no means luxury, right? You got the other places you can go pay five or 600 bucks a night, but it's usually about a hundred, 120 bucks a night, which is really expensive for campus site. Don't get me wrong, but to have all that stuff included um, and to be able to do all those different activities. Um, it's, it, it's great. Highly, highly recommend. If you don't have an RV, you can get a cabin there or you can do these uh, websites like outdoorsy now and have somebody deliver an RV to the site at Fort Wilderness for you. Um, and you can, uh, rent it and have a stay. So I've had a lot of people who've told me they've done every Disney resort except Fort Wilderness. Actually, Julian's girlfriend is a huge Disney fan and she's done everything Disney. And the reason he wanted to come down is she'd never done Fort Wilderness before. And they wanted that experience and ended up having a great time. So absolute blast. We're looking, actually, we're trying to book uh, Halloween next year um, with Summer and Ed's family. Like when you Halloween at this place, like everybody brings all of their Halloween decorations and people like create haunted houses in their campsite that you like walk through. And everybody decorates their golf carts that has like a gajillion Halloween things on it. And, you know, you're just having a big party uh, by the campsite. Like you don't even need to go to the parks and buy whatever those tickets cost. Now you can just hang out at the campground and have uh, a good time with a few cores light. It's uh, highly recommended. So you talk about camping and Disney, two of Mark's favorite things. So I think, uh, I think he's, <laughs> how he's on board with this whole this. episode. He's watching, he's like, I don't rent. I don't like Disney. I don't like camping, but go to Troy. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> <laughs> he's excited yeah. about it. That sounds unique. I mean, Fort Wilderness, for people who don't know, opened with Walt Disney World. So it's been there since the beginning. And so this yeah. is a tradition for many families going back generations, you know, uh, yeah. the camp, the camping people. Like this. I don't, I don't know that I really, I think I want to try it out, but I don't know that I would enjoy uh, dude, I think I'm in Team Ed as far as like most of the, <laughs> the the tedious parts of camping and RVing and stuff. But I think I could definitely see the the uh, novelty of camping at Disney. The problem with yep. Fort Wilderness is so old; the trees have gotten a lot bigger, so getting in and out of those spaces is definitely the toughest um, backing up and parking I've had to do, which resulted in Ed having to pull a post out of the ground our first go around. <laughs> this last time this summer, having the guy next to me like corner around a tree to be able to back my RV into this spot. So then you do a little keeping there. Those pine trees have gotten a little bit bigger since the 60s. <laughs> so it makes for some pretty entertaining um, backing up and watching all your neighbors try and navigate those roads. We should take uh, some bets on if Ed will be in his own uh, camper or if he'll rent one next year to, to join you in Halloween. <laughs> he will not be in his own. Okay, I'll, take <laughs> I'll go ahead and take that. Thank you up on that. He's had good trips. Yeah, we did. Uh, Ed and I have done Disney together uh, twice now, and then we did uh, Tabor City, North Carolina, which is the yam capital of the world, somewhere you're never going to hear about again. That was quite hilarious, hanging out with the Rednecks for the weekend um, and then uh, up in his driveway. So, I mean, it's been... <laughs> Good stories, right? That's why we travel, right? You got ridiculous good stories, even though it's painful sometimes. Um, but it was great during the pandemic, and I'm going to hang on to mine, and the kids love it. Um, but it's it's great to get some other travel on the books now, too. Yeah, it's great. Things are finally kind of reopening, and we can start planning and, you know, knock on wood, but start planning trips uh, again and, and, and family trips. I know I have some big family trips myself coming up next year uh, that yeah. I'm excited to talk about. Mark, do you like episodes. cruises? Do you hate cruises, too? Yes, I, I do hate. Well, I actually, I've never about that. Everything I like, he hates. <laughs> Let's talk about that. 
That's, I love because I'm booking all the cruise deals right now are ridiculous and the ships aren't going to be full. My kids finally have the first shot. So let's talk about cruise and make market. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There we go. There's the episode, the no. anti-Mark instead, episode. <laughs> instead of cruises, let's talk about something Mark actually likes, and that's the Capital One Venture X card. Oh, yeah, big Capital fan One. Capital One. If I could uh, get it, I would be. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Capital One doesn't like Mark as much as Mark likes uh, his card. <laughs> No, I mean, Capital One uh, on November 9th, uh, so this is coming out after that, but they're releasing their new premium card. So they're throwing their hat in the ring uh, for the premium card market. We've seen Capital One kind of improve their rewards program substantially by adding transfer partners, and uh, they've done every. Now they're opening lounges, and they're really making a push uh, to improve their, their rewards program and become you know one of the top-tier players in the rewards game. And uh, yeah, on the ninth, this Venture X comes out, and it's gonna have a, you know a big bonus, which I know people in this space love. Hundred thousand miles after ten k spent in the first six months, plus a two hundred dollar credit for Airbnb or Verbo. Uh, I don't like Airbnb either. <laughs> I don't either. I don't like Airbnb either. Well, I like it if they're gonna give me a two hundred dollar credit. Yeah, I'll find a way. I'll to use it. it. I'll find I'll a way use to it. use it. But one of the, the more interesting things is that this is going to earn 2x, like the regular Venture card, going to earn 2x miles on all purchases, plus there's some other perks like 5x earning on flights when you're booking through Capital One Travel, which I believe is powered by Hopper. That's the, the back-end tech they're using, and uh, or the OTA they're using. 10x earning on hotels and rental cars, uh, is also when you're booking through Capital One Travel. But you're getting those 2x on everyday purchases, um, some other stuff, $300 statement credit every year for Capital One Travel, 10,000 miles every year on your account anniversary. Uh, of course, TSA PreCheck, $100 credit, but also those lounges, which there's going to be three of them, right? Dallas, Dulles, and Denver. I think Dulles and Denver opening next year in 2022. Dallas is already open. So this card, you know, clearly we can see the parallels between the American Express platinum card and you know their lounge system that they've built out over many years and what capital one's trying to do but in the age of american express you know we've talked about the coupon book everybody in this hobby loves to call the platinum card a coupon book these days where they add everything from you know walmart plus membership to all kinds of credits to you know just it makes it eight very soul difficult. cycle bikes who needs yeah. eight you got them <laughs> but i mean capital one's coming in very simple they're coming in with a 395 dollars annual fee compared to the much higher fee with American Express. What do you guys think about this card? Is is this Capital One card really uh, worth looking at? I mean, my, my first thought is if you're a venture card holder, uh, you know, you're getting kind of shaft, like they're going to cannibalize their venture because you're getting the $300 uh, travel credit and the 10,000 miles, which is another $100. So it's basically a fee-free card if you travel at all. So why would you pay 95 bucks to get just two times earning with the venture card? So you know, we did confirm that you can get this card if you have a venture card. So I definitely would try to sign up to get the welcome offer. But if you if you can't get it because Capital One's a tough approval or you don't want to have the three hard pulls, which they do for whatever reason, I would definitely see if you could upgrade to it. And we, we don't know for sure yet if you can or not. But if you can, why wouldn't you? If you use the venture card, I think this is a better improved version and you're getting, you know, basically for a lower price. Yeah, when a new product comes on the market, I'll look at a couple of things. What is it doing different that nobody else has done? Uh, how much is it going to cost me? And then on a recurring basis outside of the sign-up bonus, welcome offer, what does it do for me? This one's kind of a mixed bag. 
and it's all about the portal, right? This is kind of the way everything's going. Uh, if you really want to maximize this card, just like Chase Sapphire Reserve or Preferred now, you got to book through the portal. Portal can have pluses and minuses. You know, um, combination shopping in one space could be nice, but also if you need customer service, that can be a rough, <laughs> rough go of things. We don't know which way it's going to go. I've heard amazing things about Hopper. I've had conversations with the Hopper folks. I know they have some amazing technology that they've acquired. Um, you guys remember the Freebird service that was out there a couple years ago? Yeah. Oh, yeah. They paid like the flat yeah. fee and got protection. Like that was amazing. And they've been acquired. I, I'm anxiously waiting to see if these kinds of technology will be included in the Capital One Travel Portal because that's the kind of stuff that could actually get me to book through a portal and then earning 10 and 5X is great. If it's not the case, if it's another Chase Travel Portal or Amex Travel where prices are different and calling and getting service, like I'm, this doesn't do much for me. There's nothing new here outside of, you know, a welcome offer. Um, the bonus points are nice. 300 statement credit again through the portal. Is that going to be more of a headache than it is worth it? I don't know yet. And then um, pre-check and global entry. We all have 20 different cards that do that. And then what I've thought about is interesting about Capital One lounges is you get pay 395 for this card. But in Denver, I can already go to Centurion or I can go to the Admirals Club or Priority Pass. Same in Denver, same in Dulles. Priority Pass, Turkish. Like there's already other cheaper or free or already covered lounge options here. Like it's it's not really doing anything for me new here so far unless this hopper technology is included into the Capital One Travel Portal and it's a great booking experience. So if that's the case, then maybe I'm sold and this is great. Again, putting the 100000 to the side. If it's not a great travel experience and booking experience, then I would stick with the venture card and just get two X on everything, um, which is a great product. You know, the most genius thing that Capital One did years ago was call their points miles and have Jennifer Garner do those commercials where they said two miles on everything. Because despite the fact that you and I and uh, all of us live in this world, if you go out to people at the playground like I do the dads and they say, well, why do I want to earn a Delta mile instead of a Capital One mile? Like, that's where people think, right? So they think yeah. on miles and miles and miles is what they think. Um, and Capital One's kind of, you know, it's great. Like, to March point, like, they're doubling down, making a better venture card here because they've seen success with it. I just don't know if it does anything different. And I don't know how hard it's going to get to be approved for it. This could be an awesome card. If, if the travel port is great, if people actually get approved for it, if some of that Hopper and Freebird technology is included, that's amazing. If it's... Not a good experience in that portal, then I'm sticking with Venture. Um, and I don't think this does anything for me. And one of the reasons they're able to offer like the 10X, 5X, right, is because they're making money on the portal. Um, you know, they're forcing yeah. you to book through them where they can earn a commission. And uh, we've seen that obviously with the other banks as well. It's been a big move over the last couple of years. And um, to your point, I mean, I've had some terrible experiences with Chase Travel um, that I just don't want to use my points uh, through their their portal anymore. And Thankfully, Chase, I think, just moved away from Expedia. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so hopefully that that improves things, although I'm not holding my my breath uh, on that. But let's hope uh, that it gets better. I mean, is this more of a play for them to keep those people within their ecosystem, not to lose people to Chase, to Amex? This is their same venture card, like Mark said, uh, 2x earnings everywhere. But uh, there's people that want maybe that deeper relationship. They want lounge access, stuff like that. Does this keep people in the Capital One ecosystem? Yeah, it very well could. Um, again, if the travel portal experience is great. It's just like the airline and hotel industry. When banks see somebody do something, they think that they need to follow suit. I don't always think that's the best case. I think refining the venture card, which is an excellent product, and my wife and I both have one, might have been a better play here. Maybe not. Maybe they felt like they needed to have that 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 premium card in the play, but 
I just hope they took on some of the lessons of the Chase Sapphire Reserve, which is ultimately being moonlighting and it's costing Chase billions of dollars and it's going to go away and they've doubled down on the CSP now. What are they doing different here to learn from the CSR experience? 100,000 points, $300 credit, plus what they're paying marketing stuff is a very, very expensive customer acquisition cost. Maybe they're underwriting and limiting who can get the cards, what they do differently and make it tough to get versus the CSR, which is as long as you're under 524, pretty easy to get approved for. I don't know, but this is a lot of money up front that they're going to have to recoup. And I don't know if they're going to be able to do it. Um, So if I was looking at this from the drawing board a year ago, I probably would have said, why not take some of these and, and, you know, maybe raise the venture annual fee to 150 bucks a year, give people 10,000 bonus miles um, lower some of those earnings on the portal, make it awesome. And maybe that would be a better revamp than an entirely new product. Or maybe this strikes a chord and people think the lounges are the best thing in the world and that this portal is awesome. I, I guess time will tell. Um, I just don't think it's always the best thing to do what everybody else is doing unless you're going to be a differentiator. And at face value, I don't see a differentiator here. If you guys uh, missed the most important question. Can you book Disney through the portal, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, there you go. That <laughs> would get that would- that would be yeah, pretty good. I guess. <laughs> yeah, Give me the hundred thousand points, baby, or miles, whatever. <laughs> but it is. I mean, anecdotally, I've heard these premium cards haven't been as profitable as as they had wanted because customers who get a premium card don't tend to pay interest. They don't tend to carry balances, and that's why we've seen, or at least anecdotally, what I've been told, not directly from Chase, but why we've seen them kind of go so hard into the Sapphire Preferred, even though that has less of an annual fee. Uh, because they're earning more, you know, people who have that card are more likely to carry a balance and Chase has better ways to to earn the money. I don't I don't know if that's the case, but another potential challenge, I guess, for Capital One uh, with this with this card. But I mean, it's exciting. Anytime we're seeing new product categories kind of created, I think it's a good thing. And Capital One hasn't been in this space, really, uh, as far as that goes. And I just see this as an evolution of what they've been doing with their program overall, um, which I think you know, with Capital One having transfer partners, with Built Rewards having transfer partners, we have more competition in the space, even if everybody's sort of carving out uh, their own part of the market. And I think that's good overall, even if we have a lot of overlap with transfer partners between all of these programs. Yeah. If like if, if Capital One don't know, have no idea what they have going on, the only hole for me is the lack of a domestic transfer partner. If, if they add a Southwest or a Delta or American or United, um, I think it'd be a huge game changer for them. I'm sure they would have already done it if the economics would have worked out. But uh, they absolutely love what they've done over the years, worked closely with them at the points guy. Um, It it will be interesting to see. They have the right people running the hopper technology, and they've acquired the right stuff that this could be amazing. Like, So I'm I'm excited to check it out. Yeah, I'll say like Capital One seems like the – the issuer that's kind of like being the most nimble the last few years, you know, they, they'll, they'll add in where you can redeem uh, certain credits towards uh, dining, like use your points for dining and they add that in when they need to and keep it on and, and all this different things. So they, and they've added new partners over time. So it just, and I know they started from way in the back, so there was a ton of room for improvement, but it, it is interesting to see. And they seem to be the, the one that's, most willing to do things. So I wouldn't be surprised if they add more in the future, but only time will tell for sure. Now, can they yeah. just stop running all three of our bureaus, please? Come on, you know. <laughs> yeah. You get approved for a guard. I mean, like, uh, yeah, it took me, I, I slowed completely down during the pandemic and almost 
got new cards and that's when I was finally like, Oh, it's finally time to try and get this venture card. And sure enough, got approved after slowing down for well over a year and a half. So well, can't wait to see the report start coming in of how difficult this card is to get approved or if we can product change um, and check it out. All right. Well, I think uh, we did it in. We have a full article on the website detailing everything about Venture X, and it's available now. We also have links if people want to support the site or the show. You can apply through our links. We should have that full 100K offer uh, as well. So just check out the website for that. And that's going to do it, I think, for this week's show. Uh, it's been a lot of fun talking with you, Richard, and we definitely appreciate you coming and your insights, not only on kind of sharing what Built Rewards is, but on that RV lifestyle uh, and, uh, and of course, on, on Capital One's Venture X card. Everybody go out to your local RV store and take a take a look around <laughs> so you can see <laughs> why you should or should not ever um, do it. But it's fun. I like first-class flights, too, and very shortly here we'll be back on those. And then Mark and I can have another episode. Yeah, well, we're we going to talk about all the water, right? <laughs> uh, the water situation with RVs. I guess we'll have to save that for, for next that's... time, too, because that's probably uh, the thing that, that <laughs> horrifies me the most. <laughs> Let's just... Uh, Let's just say that. All right. Thanks so much, Richard. Uh, thanks so much, everybody, for out there for listening. You can find everything related to the show at mtmpodcast.com. Talk to you next time. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Bye. See, that's how you know he listens to the show. Bye. Right? <laughs> <laughs>